Welcome to the South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast. I'm your host, Matt Mitterell. The South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast exists as a platform for the voices of apostolic leadership. Here, guests respond to racial and cultural topics from a biblical, historical, and experiential perspective. The South Carolina District Building the Bridge ministry seeks to contribute to the continued advancement of diversity within the United Pentecostal Church International by effectively working towards evangelizing the African-American and Black community. This work involves promoting the inclusion and cultural affirmation within the South Carolina District while providing resources and advice to UPCI ministers on matters of importance to the African-American and Black community. By working with National Building the Bridge leadership, local pastors, and ministers, including those newly licensed, South Carolina District Building the Bridge endeavors to promote the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. For more information, visit buildingthebridgeministries.com or contact me at scbtbministries at gmail.com. All right. Thank you, everybody, again, for tuning in to the South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast. I'm looking forward to uh, speaking with my guest today, who is Pastor Wilbert Blandon, Jr. Pastor Blandon was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. He and his wife, Glenda, have been married for over 40 years. Pastor Blandon served in the military for 11 years and is a Gulf War vet. He has been a part of the UPCI for 40 plus years. 38 of which have been dedicated to ministry. He is the founding pastor of Antioch Bible Fellowship Ministries in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and has been for over 28 years. Pastor Blandon has been involved in Building the Bridge Ministries for over 30 years, and from 1999 to 2012, he served as the Building the Bridge National Secretary for the UPCI. Pastor Blandon currently serves as the Building the Bridge District Director Liaison, for the National Building the Bridge Board of Directors. Uh, Pastor Blandon, you know, it's it's an honor to speak with you uh, today on this platform. Um, I, as I kind of mentioned here at the opening uh, conversation before I hit the record button, <laughs> it's just truly, truly an honor to talk to you. And uh, I believe that our conversation today uh, will be helpful for somebody listening uh, and somebody who's interested in in trying to reach reach their community. So Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to sit down with me. Well, Brother Harold, first of all, I'm honored to be on this podcast with you, with the South Carolina audience and others that may be listening or get tuned in to our conversation. And I just want to say to you, I'm very, very encouraged in the work that you're doing down in South Carolina as the uh, Building the Bridge District Director. Um, I'm honored to serve with you. Um, since we have been connected together, we have been uh, really blessed by your ministry and the previous podcast that you've done and that we know you're doing in the future is making a major difference in the cause of, of building the bridge ministries. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And, and you know, you alluded to our um, some of the conversations we've had in the past on our monthly um, call with the other uh, district directors um, and it's from those calls that um, I actually want to 
focus on a specific area today, and that's the strategic thinking for grassroots evangelism. This was a uh, an initiative that um, you know really you're responsible for, <laughs> and have uh, been and have spearheaded, and uh, and so that that'll be our main focus here uh, as we dive deep into the conversation. Um, but before we get there, I I do want to just sort of talk a little bit about you know your early ministry. You, uh, we mentioned in your bio that you've been in ministry now um, for over 38 years, uh, and uh, it's truly encouraging to me um, and inspiring, really, to see to see that length of of effective ministry, uh, and to also see you still doing the things that you're talking about, as I alluded to earlier. Just just continuing to work in those things. So let's let's start there. Let's talk a little bit about your um, early ministry, your calling, your passion, uh, any challenges or uh, anything you may have faced beginning when you started? Yes, sir. Brother Harold, I was blessed to come into the United Pentecostal Church in a national overseas in Mannheim, Germany, while serving in the military. I got the Holy Ghost about a month or so after I arrived in Germany. I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, probably about a week before flying to Germany. And when I got in the church over in Germany, I immediately began to get involved in soul winning, um, praying people through to the Holy Ghost, having the honor of seeing the supernatural operation of God at work, just as a new babe in Christ. And so about 18 months after getting the Holy Ghost, I got the Holy Ghost in January of 1983. In August of 1984, that's when God placed a calling in my heart to preach the gospel. Um, from 1984 to 1988, I was still in Germany. I was primarily teaching um, adult Sunday school, leading worship, and I had my first opportunity to preach a Sunday message in Brother John Yates Church, who is actually from the South Carolina district, but at the time we were together in in Germany, in Berlin, I preached my first message. About a month or so later, I came to North Carolina, to Spring Lake, um, North Carolina, which is right outside of Fort Bragg, and served under Bishop Jeff Chavis, and served as his assistant for several years. And that's when I had the opportunity for my preaching ministry to really get developed. I began to preach um, across our state and many of the churches across our state for a few years. And then in 1994, that's when God sent us out uh, by way of the daughter work concept to start a church here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, right on the other side of Fort Bragg. And so I've been pastoring there for the past 28 years. We've been seeing a tremendous move of God through those years. We've seen many uh, beautiful saints of God that's in the kingdom, that's in the UPC, that's here locally, that's serving um, Christ as we desire him to be served. And I've been very, very honored to be a part of Building the Bridge ministry for over 30 plus years now. I began to get heavily involved with Building the Bridge back in 1992. 
And then from 1992 to 99, I was just, you know, supporting the ministry, um, you know, going to the conferences. And then in 1999, I got appointed as the secretary for building the bridge ministry. And then a year later, I got voted in about five more times, which I served a total of 13 years as a secretary for the ministry. And then once I stepped down from serving as secretary, I continued to stay involved um, in the ministry. And now I'm the Building the Bridge District um, Director Liaison. But on top of that, I also served as the men's director, the prayer coordinator. I've served also as the NAM director for a short time uh, with Building the Bridge as well. So I've been very, very hands-on with the Building the Bridge ministry for the last 30 plus years. Now, let me back up a minute too to um, to your your early ministry and just ask you this. Were there, you know, along the way, you know, uh, you know to, Remind me again. You said twenty-eight years you've been pastoring. Correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Now, long that's a, that's a long time. I mean, you know. So along the way, have you, you know, faced any challenges that that sort of stand out to you? Um, and if so, how did you work through, you know, a specific challenge that you faced? Well, anyone that's been pastoring for any length of time, they're going to be facing challenges, um, you know, along the way because. Um, number one, when we go out to start ministry, to start a church, of course, you want to be successful. You want to grow your church. And one of the things you learn as you go, that God got a plan um, that even exceeds your plan. And sometimes one of the challenges that you will face, that I know I face, that every person that comes into your church may not have the same you know, desire and passion uh, for success for the church that you do. So one of the greatest challenges is learning how to um, deal with people and understanding that everyone that God sends your way is not going to be with your ministry forever. Um, they may be there for a short period of time, and then you are blessed to have people that's going to be there with you for the duration. But one of the greatest challenges is just pretty much dealing with people, dealing with disappointment, and understanding that you have to be committed to the call that God um, has called you to, and not just to your desired results. Mm-hmm. Well said, you know, we in the church, we we would definitely and should definitely be about continue to be about the sending business. You know, just if we want to truly model and um, emulate what the early apostles did, the early church leaders did. I mean, there was there was a lot of you read the scriptures, you know, there was a lot of at times division and um, you know ministries going and parting separate ways. And yet still we did not, the early church did not uh, allow that to um, hinder it in its efforts at revival in various areas across the world. And I I, I like how you, you phrase that in terms of being, just being okay with that, resting with the fact that, you know, again, the church is in the sending business and the fact that not everybody who comes into your doors, you may pour into them, train with them, um, spend years with them, but there, there may come a day in time when God calls them elsewhere or, you know, they, they leave on their own accord. 
um, which of course we would prefer it to be the former, right? That, that yeah. God has called them to go somewhere yes, else. Yes, sir. And you know, it's interesting that you even brought that point up because one of the things that, that I had to learn to do, uh, especially being in the kind of area that I'm in, because we are in the Fort Bragg community in this area, which is has a strong presence, the military presence here. So a lot of time, the people that's in this area uh, are not from this area. So people are coming and going constantly. And I knew when we went out that we was going to have to pastor with an open hand and understanding that, you know, our responsibility is going to be able to make the most out of the people while they're here, give them everything we could, train them so that they can serve the kingdom. So you have to be very kingdom minded um, in an area like us, because if you're just thinking you're going to hoard everyone or everyone just going to stay with you, then you're really setting yourself up for disappointment. And then on top of that, you also learn that these precious saints of God, they belong to God and not to you. And as long as you are doing your part and what God has called you to do, and empowering them and training them as the scripture teaches to, you're going to get your reward also. And we've learned that God is truly, truly faithful, Brother Harold, um, from that aspect of things. So even in times of discouragement, we have those constant reminders that God is faithful. He's going to reward our labor. Our labor is not in vain. And then to see so many churches you know, across our nation blessed through people that our ministry have touched has been uh, a reward all by itself. Absolutely. I, I want to give a, you know, just, just by way of um, adding to what you just said, just a little bit. I, I you know, I, I'm very familiar with this uh, revolving door process because the church I was saved in uh, down in Tallahassee, Florida, um, Pastor Daniel Huba, it's in it's in a college town. I think there are three or four. There's two major universities. Uh, the one I went to, Florida A&M University, and then of course Florida State University. But then there's also two or three other uh, uh, colleges in the area as well. And it took me some time, and has taken me some time to really get accustomed to that 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 people coming in and people leaving. Uh, because in a college town, you know, <laughs> the entire town shuts down over the summer, you know, uh, and but we would have my wife and I early on, we were a part of the uh, campus ministries international and leading that. Uh, and it would at times be I was new in church and it would at times be discouraging, you know, as we've alluded to, just discouraging to see uh, young people, young college students come in they get connected to the church and then they leave. Uh, and even now, even today, just kind of fast forwarding to, to, to today, uh, the church I uh, serve as a associate pastor with um, uh, with uh, Pastor Nathan Huba, who was my youth pastor back in uh, Tallahassee, actually. Um, it's the same thing. Our, our, our church is in a uh, military town, um, you know, Columbia, South Carolina. And we've seen families come and we've seen families go. And we're 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 always. Uh, if I could say it this way, Holy Ghost surprised when one family leaves and then God sends us three, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> three yes. families. And, and, and it, it's always, um, I don't know why we're always surprised by it, but we are, you know, we still maintain that expectation that, okay, it's one family's going away, but God's getting ready to send us two or three. So yes. we're always prepared for that. Yes. Now, 
Now, you you have a connection to uh, South Carolina as well, as I understand it, correct? Yes, sir. Now, what's what's that? What's that connection? I was richly blessed to begin to uh, build my relationship with the South Carolina district in the mid to later 90s. Um, matter of fact, one of my first messages I preached was at that time a black evangelism conference that was being held in Anderson, South Carolina. And from that time um, up to this time, I've been blessed to preach in the district many, many times. I've preached uh, building the bridge conferences. I've preached, <clears throat> excuse me, marriage retreats. I preach youth youth uh, camp meetings. I preach family camp meetings. I preach North American missions um, conferences. So I've been, um, you know, preaching and ministering in churches and building relationships with the brethren in the South Carolina district, you know, over 25, 28 years now. Wow. Well, that is if I, <clears throat> if nobody's ever heard you preach yet, I'm sure some of the folks listening uh, to this podcast or will be listening to this podcast have heard you preach. Um, I I know that they were blessed by your ministry. And, you know, uh, you know, just on behalf of South Carolina, I want to say thank you. And I know that um, Pastor uh, Gann, our South Carolina district superintendent, thinks highly of you. And, um, you know, and so just thank you for your your again. Thank you for your service, not only to um, uh, the nation in terms of building the bridge and and and, and uh, elsewhere, but also specifically thank you for your service and your ministry here in south carolina um, yes sir when i when i met pastor gan he was actually the home missions director at that time of course we called the home missions directors then <clears throat> excuse me and he was actually pastoring in columbia um that's when i originally met him but then when he moved to um where did he move to rock hill to rock hill i yeah. preached for him there and even did a, like a building a bridge service there for him as well. So yeah, I know Brother Gann well, and and very very grateful for you know his love and and his uh, encouragement and his ministry. You know that church he preached that that he started in Columbia is the church that Pastor Huba is leading, lead pastor, and where I uh, serve as associate pastor. Wonderful. That was the church <laughs> that Brother Gann uh, started. So we we have a. Um, a unique connection there. He actually came last year and uh, uh, preached our anniversary services. So um, it was a blessing to have him. But yeah, we just came, you know, full circle, you know, um, talking about some of the things that uh, or him, watching him do some of the things that we're going to talk about here tonight. And and I think that's actually a good segue into um, our focus for tonight, which is this uh, initiative the strategic thinking for grassroots evangelism. And so the first question, you know, really that comes uh, is what is grassroots evangelism? If you could spend some time sort of uh, uh, talking about that. Yes, sir. Um, grassroots evangelism is a vision that God has given to us here at Building the Bridge to take the gospel to the existing black African-American communities where the ministry of Christ is most effective and appreciated. Um, I've always been a believer that it's one thing for us to have meetings, to be in boardrooms, to discuss about reaching our communities. 
but it's another thing about going into those communities. So when God began to speak to me initially about grassroots evangelism, it was a vision that we saw that the ministry of Christ would be able to go to where the people are. And of course, in our case, through the context of the United Pentecostal Church, you're talking about going to where the districts are and then where the local churches are and the local communities are and taking the gospel there. It's undergirded by a progressive nature of strategic evangelism insight. So it wasn't something that we wanted to do where we just gonna throw something together, but it was something that we felt like it needed to be undergirded by a continual progressive nature of strategies that would allow us to continually um, move forward in our evangelism efforts through building the bridge ministries. And it consists of three key things. It consists of a preparation process that when we do a, a grassroots evangelism event that you know we would do a preparation process, then we would have a strategic evangelistic outreach event, of course, where we're targeting a community, targeting in a city and, and targeting an event. And then we also will have post-event follow-up strategies that are designed to be intentional, practical, and measurable. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're going to get into some of those too. I, I want to ask you this as well, um, given the focus of uh, grassroots evangelism, um, you, you mentioned to me in the past that the current position paper um, for the UPCI uh, that uh, I, I've mentioned, in, um, I believe, on the last episode or in, uh, in passing, I actually read it, um, read a, an excerpt of it um, when I interviewed uh, Brother Dave Henry a couple weeks or actually now a month ago or so. Um, but I later found out that you actually were instrumental in uh an authoring that uh that paper am i am i correct in that yeah what what happened with that uh we had a meeting a strategic meeting one year with at the time um our general superintendent at the time was bishop nathaniel haney and in the meeting in the meeting it was uh primarily building the bridge ministers and, and bishop haney and we wanted to discuss with him some things um, that could be effective for the UPCI. And Bishop Gary Ellis out of uh, the Fort Campbell area in Tennessee, he suggested that the UPCI would have an affirmation statement that would speak to the, uh, to the reality that we are not a racist organization, that we wanted to uh, project having a healthy racial unity and et cetera. So the racial and ethnic affirmation statement from the United Pentecostal Church started there from that meeting. And Brother Haney looked at Bishop Ellis and said, well, write, why don't you write the, the statement? So Bishop Ellis did the initial writing of that statement then I, at the time I was serving as the secretary, I did majority of the editing to the statement and added or took away whatever we felt was important. And then Bishop David Bernard, who at the time was not our um, 
superintendent, he assisted us in being able to put it in a format that it could be received by the general board of the United Pentecostal Church. And of course, our initial desire was to be able at general conference to be able to um, get it on the floor before it got approved because we really wanted it to be discussed so it could be a, a greater awareness among the United Pentecostal Church ministers that this statement of affirmation um, of, of racial uh, unity was going into our manual, but the general board, they approved it, but it never got to the board. So a lot of people are just discovering that that uh, statement is actually in our manual, but building the bridge is really was the catalyst to setting that in motion. Mm -hmm. A very, a very important step by my own estimation in, um, in putting forth the fact that this, this idea of racism is an important topic um, to the, to uh, the United Pentecostal Church International. And so I would encourage any minister if they, if they haven't uh, read it yet, um, uh, hopefully you have, but <laughs> you know, if you, if you perused over it, I would, I would strongly recommend go and take, go in and take a look at that, uh, position paper. Um, I, and I believe at one point, uh, in recent memory, um, Bishop Bernard had, um, posted it or commented or done something with it on social media, um, around the time, a lot of these, uh, p police killings and, uh, things were taking place. And um, again, just honing in on the fact that th this is an important topic to United Pentecostal Church International. Um, and this is an important ministry um, as well. So and can I, I say to something too? Yeah, absolutely. Elder absolutely. regarding Bishop Bernard. See, mm -hmm. Bishop Bernard has always been involved in building the bridge ministry for many, many years, even before he was the general superintendent. And even back then, he was very supportive of us. He was very hands-on. He um, lent his expertise to our ministry on many occasions. And even messages that he preached at our conference when we requested that he would preach those same messages at general conference, he would do it. And you can understand, Elder, this was before he was the general superintendent. Since he's been the general superintendent, he has even escalated his support even the more to further the ministry and, uh, and allow the United Pentecostal Church International to have a greater awareness of how vital building the bridge ministry really, really is. He does not see it as a secondary ministry to the UPC. He really tries to treat it both in actions, his words, his attitude toward us, and seeing this ministry be everything that God needed to be to the UPCI and beyond. And that has been evident even just in my short, brief uh, tenure with the ministry. Um, it, it was It's evident or has been evident in the, the meeting, for example, we had a couple weeks ago um, where Bishop Bernard was there and, you know, and we talked and stuff and just hearing his passion for this ministry was, um, I've heard about it from others, but to see it firsthand and to hear it firsthand was, uh, was very inspiring and encouraging to me. So absolutely. Uh, you know, I, 
Brother Bernard is behind this ministry 100, um, 110%. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so, but let, let's talk about the three pillars um, that you mentioned earlier, uh, grassroots evangelism, and and maybe uh, it'll be helpful if we take them, you know, one at a time and just kind of talk a little bit about them. Uh, the, the first one that you mentioned was the preparation process. Yes, sir. And I want to ask, you know, say from just from the South Carolina perspective, South Carolina district, how can we and others even, um, how, how do we start? So what, what does that preparation process look like? I love that. You know, the, the preparation process is designed to, first of all, accurately assess and identify the needs of a targeted community. Let's just say, for instance, a pastor in South Carolina would want building the bridge to um, do a grassroots evangelism event with them. One of the first things we would want to do is accurately assess and identify the needs of that church, of that city, of that pastor, because our goal is to um, give that pastor, that church, that city, what it know it needs versus what we think it needs. So our goal is to be able to come in and say, Pastor, you want to uh, reach this community or this area of your city. What are the needs? What are, what are the things that we can assess that we need to do? Once we assess those needs, then we can provide the practical tools and training for that uh, participating minister and church. Once we uh, uh, decide, okay, we target this 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 city, this date, this time. What do we need to do in getting them prepared? What tools will this church need? Are they going to need uh, training on evangelism? Are they going to need um, training on altar working? Are they going to need training on 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 cultural understanding? Whatever it may be. Give, if I can give you an example. Mm -hmm. um in, in another state uh, i had to go to do one of these and preparing a, a, a pastor who had a desire to reach into the black african-american community and so when we sat down along with the building the bridge state director in that state we sat down with him and his wife we found out that um his church was predominantly white um he personally had a connection with the uh, Black African-American community by way of his upbringing. But at the time, he didn't necessarily feel like his church was ready for influx of growth in that area due to the cultural barriers that he felt was in his city. So instead of us just charging in and just saying, we're going to do this, do that, we set up a process for him and the leader of that of that district to begin to build relationships with each other and then build relationship with each other churches. And since that time, that relationship has grown. He has come down to this brother's church and has brought his people to that church where they can begin to shadow what they was doing and begin to get accustomed to being around people uh, from the Black and African-American community and come to find out he's starting to grow already in his local church and his people are starting to get acclimated to the idea. So every situation is different. So when we go in and assess their situation, 
that's when we can set up the process and the tools to uh, set in motion uh, the continuation of, of, of that of that event. That's fantastic. And you mentioned training. And one of the things you highlight in the um, grassroots evangelism toolkit is, uh, you know, training and readiness and diversity and cultural awareness. I heard uh, T.F. Tenney say uh, once and maybe others have said something similar. Unity is born from diversity, not conformity. And that is such an important aspect of understanding, you know, when we're taking that first step as pastors, as ministers, taking that first step of interest to reach, um, you know, into any culture, uh, but specifically here, the African-American culture, we have to be aware. We have to be aware. That's the word we keep hearing uh, over and over again. We have to be aware of what those different uh, cultural, those different cultural perspectives are um, and, and not try, if I could just say it plainly, not try and make, you know, everybody fit the cookie cutter box of what, you know, what your church may look like or what your church may worship like, but instead have in mind that these people do come from, um, different backgrounds. Everybody comes from different backgrounds, different cultural, cultural perspectives. Um, and there can, there can, a lot, a lot of hurt can be done, Mm -hmm. um, if we don't have that, uh, this awareness. And so that aspect of training, um, man, it's just, it's just so important. So important. On, on so many levels, only because all of us were socialized differently, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And when we come into an organization like the United Pentecostal Church, being Black men, African-American, chances are um, most of us didn't grow up you know, around uh, the Caucasian culture or vice versa. So the United Pentecostal Church is really poised to really be a blessing to the body of Christ because of the richness of diversity that we really do have. What we have to do, we have to begin to maximize that diversity. And how we do that is by sitting down at the table of fellowship. And that's also part of the grassroots process where we can start building relationships with one another so that the different cultures that exist in our movement can begin to empower one another on how to effectively reach into each community without us trying to figure it out. And then after, after, after we do that part of the preparation process, we also plan for the post-event follow-up strategies um, because we're not just coming in to just have an event and then up and gone. Our goal is to have a plan that's going to allow that church or that new startup to be able to have some things in place to follow up on And we want those follow-up processes to be both intentional and practical and and measurable because the goal is for the follow-up from building the bridge itself um, should be at least up to one year after the outreach event. So our goal is to be able to walk with that church, that minister, that district um, for at least a year to kind of keep track of how they're doing from the from the actual um event mm. so you're you're talking from top down what 
what are some ways that the church itself can, um, you know, implement some type of follow-up program? And the reason I asked that question is because, um, you know, we're planning to do a, uh, an outreach here actually in my city next Saturday. And one of the things I spoke with uh, my pastor about um, and also my wife was, you know, we live in a day and age where folks give wrong information. They might show up to an event, but uh, they might give you the wrong phone number or, you know, and so it can make it make it a little challenging to follow up with them. So what if, what are some ways you've seen work in terms of um, that post event follow up? Uh, that that's been the most effective understanding it's not gonna be perfect but most effective of course and you hit it right on the nose it's not going to be perfect it's not going to be perfect but the goal is for it to be effective and one of the things that you know you want to do like what is your goals for being able to retain that information you're going to try to get that normal data etc and of course you hoping that they give you the correct data Okay, and let's just assume they're going to do that, even though we know there's some that may not do that. But our goal is, number one, like the event we just had, our goal was really to touch the community, to uh, serve them, and to be able to uh, connect with them so they would be aware of who we were. Um, For those that we could get follow-up information on, you know, we had a booth set up to be able to do that, which we've done. And then what we're going to be doing, we're going to be following up with the people that have, may have expressed um, different things that they are interested in that we have to offer the community. Like one of the things we have is life skills programs that we offer to the community through our, our nonprofit that we started uh, many years ago. So we had a booth set up for that. We had a booth set up for the church information. And then uh, we made the community aware of who we were and where we were. That was our goal for that particular community outreach. So one of the first things we wanna encourage uh, churches to do is set realistic retention goals. What are some of the goals? If if, if we having like a, a, a Holy Ghost crusade or we having a community type outreach service that you're saying, we're saying out of the hundred people that we may touch in that community, you know, we want to have a goal of maybe, um, you know, retaining 25 or 30 of those or whatever. And then we want to follow up on them. And then we want to, you know, measure and account for the numerical growth, the conversion, the discipleship, that takes place in that church and how is that church getting people involved in ministry and then having that readiness and that diversity and cultural awareness. So when you're talking about, you know, what you're talking about doing next week, it's just a matter of the goals that y'all have set for that particular event and then take the follow-up from there and begin to um, communicate with those that y'all was able to touch. Now, what, by way of example, what type of event did you host uh, recently? Because I know you you mentioned that at the at the beginning and um, before we started the podcast, but just now as well. And and uh, uh, so I'd like to know, and maybe for the listeners as well, what what type of event did you host? How did it go? Um, and where are you guys in the process now? I appreciate you asking me that. The event this weekend that we have, like every fifth Sunday, we have what we call a mini revival. 
And that's when we have a, a bringing a guest speaker for Sunday morning, Sunday night service. And then on that Saturday, um, if it's feasible, we'll tag something on um, to that to help enhance it and to reach more people. Well, this time our goal was to do a community outreach where we was going to be serving the community, you know, with, uh, you know, hot dogs, hamburgers, you know, food, uh, free food. And then we also had giveaways. We had bike giveaways. Then we had all the bouncy um, equipment for the children, games and stuff like that for the children. We had booths set up um, with our information and the different ministries we have in our church. So it was this time around, it was primarily a community outreach where we was touching the community, serving the community, and making the, the community aware of who we are, as we've done many times before, but we needed to do it since we hadn't done it before COVID. And as a result of that, we had many different people that were there, um, different cultures that was there represented. We had people from the Spanish, the Asian community, the Black community, the white community, people that showed up. And during the time of this particular uh, event, we also had Bishop John Russell share his testimony um, because he has such a powerful testimony of how he was almost in the NBA and then drugs and alcohol and, and the work wild lifestyle took him from that dream and he wound up homeless, um, you know, almost get ready to, you know, kill himself, all that. So we 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 gathered the people around to hear his testimony. A lot of people were touched by that. And then people came out to serve. So our goal was really to be able to connect with the community. And as a result, we did, we did get data. Uh, my outreach people who had set up the booths have already con um, conveyed those names and numbers to me and some of their interests and concerns. And now we will be following up with them this week to reconnect with them as a result of them coming to our community outreach. Fantastic. And so you, um, one of the things that's mentioned in here is to do, and you, at the tail end of your uh, talk there, you alluded to this, do an after action review um, of yes. the outreach event and talk about strengths, weaknesses, um, opportunities, and threats. And so can you highlight some of those? Um, yes, that's a very good point. Cause, cause we actually, uh, with my team on Sunday morning, we did this, we, we did this, what we call the SWAT, uh, uh, um, after action review and dealing with the strengths, the weakness. So what we did, we identified some of the strengths of our, um, event this weekend. So what, what were some of the strengths? Um, people worked in unity, um, things were set up on time. Um, we did connect with a lot of people, uh, excuse me, in the community. Um, people uh, expressed their desire of how good the food was. So we had, you know, a multitude of things that we felt were strengths. We had some weaknesses also that we had uh, had to identify as well. Um, like like one of the weaknesses we had, we had a problem with the power because one of the popcorn machines that we had for some reason it kept causing our power to go out. So so that was one of the things we realized we need to be prepared for for the next time understanding the power range of some of this equipment that we was we was renting. Then we identified a few other weaknesses. Then we looked at the opportunities. Um, we got 
you know, we got information on people to be able to follow up on. We got an opportunity to share the gospel with people. We got an opportunity to share the different ministries that we have to offer the church. We got an opportunity to connect with the uh, Spanish Latino community a little bit more than we have before. So those are opportunities. And then the threats we had, the, the, your threats most of the time are gonna come from your weaknesses and things that can hinder or undermine what you're trying to do. So. Um, and doing that, we was able to identify all those things. And so when you do the after action review, you're trying to identify what was the strengths of this meeting? What did we do well? What did we do that stuck out? What was the weaknesses? What we did not do well? Did we have people showing up late or people not at their posts or people not communicating with the guests when they came into our inner circle, et cetera. And then what opportunities that we gather um, from the situation. We touched the community. Um, we was able to give out more church flies. We was able to get people to come to the revival service on Sunday. And then whatever threats that we have, whether it was you know the lack of preparation or people showing up late, these are things that can be threats to the success of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to point out that that all of this was an in, was intentional um, in terms of, yes, we're going to have the event. So, yeah, you got all that leading up to it, to the event, the preparation for that. Then you have the event, but then you also schedule intentionally time after the event to sit down with the team and talk about the SWAT, the, the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities and the um, and the threats. And so just, uh, I mean, just a, a wealth, again, a wealth of um, encouragement to see how to move through this practically, how to move through these, uh, through this process. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I, I, so I think we've, before I ask you this next, this uh, one of the last questions, but so we've been talking about the three pillars of grassroots evangelism, preparation process, strategic evangelistic outreach, um, and then post event follow-up. Are there any other um, uh, nuances or or steps along the way um, that listeners should be considering? Well, I, I would think when when you when you speaking from a building the bridge um, context, uh, one of the things that we would like to do is like monthly and quarterly and annual follow that annual follow up to kind of see if what we're doing is really working in a practical way because you know you can have things in place but are they really practical do they really work and and having that monthly and quarterly uh a, a communication with that pastor that church that district it gives us an idea of what we can improve upon what we can continue to do what we need to change and that's the progressive nature of of um of grassroots evangelism that i was talking about earlier that is constantly uh moving in a direction where it's becoming more and more effective and trying to get it set in motion uh, on the scale that we are it is going to have take us getting that data getting that information from the churches or the districts that we do help set up you know the grassroots evangelism events mm -hmm. and um and so we one of the things i wanted to ask ask you about and um if you've hit on a lot of these points already please feel you know feel free to say so but one of the things that's in the 
in the grassroots evangelism toolkit is reach and connect. And I wanted to ask you about that because I believe it fits well with um, the South Carolina district 2023 vision of reach up, reach in and reach out, which Pastor uh, Gann spoke about, Bishop Gann spoke about in my interview with him. And so how uh, what are what are some of the aspects of maybe, you know, top three aspects of reach and connect um, with regard to evangelism, grassroots evangelism, and are the two connected? Well, I do believe the two is connected because when you're talking about evangelism, number one, you're talking about reaching, right? And, and and this is why it's important. Like, let's talk about South Carolina, where where y'all are going to be, you know, continually progressing in um, bringing or reintroducing a greater awareness for building the bridge ministries, you know, in y'all in y'all state. The the goal of the reach portion is reach to me has two different meanings or two separate meanings. Reaching one deals with what we talked about earlier about bringing an awareness. So through the podcast that you're doing now, to me, that is a part of the reaching process of reaching and connect through grassroots evangelism, because you have this podcast set up to, first of all, reach the constituencies of the UPCI in South Carolina. That's a reaching aspect. And then the second area of reaching is deal with actually starting to target areas, churches, or cities where you're talking about now targeting communities for the purpose of either expanding the local church's outreach or to start a brand new, you know, preaching point or church plant in a community that has a, a large African, Black and African American constituents. Yeah, amen. And and I've uh, I've shared this with folks as well that um, when I'm going around and I'm talking about the podcast, uh, I want people to know that this is the ground floor, if you will, of 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 our efforts to be intentional here in South Carolina with regard to building the bridge. And I, I share with folks, you know, this may be a limited series podcast. This may be um, a podcast where, you know, the first few episodes I've done have really been focused on the the ministry and then, you know, where the ministry has been, Building the Bridge Ministry has been, where it's going, um, and then sort of transitioning now to some more practical ways that this ministry can uh, can help in in the, the South Carolina um, um uh, area uh, and abroad. But again, we're here in South Carolina. And so uh, what I envision for this next is, yeah, like you said, right, that reach point number two or that reach to, you know, targeting specific areas where we can roll out what we're talking about here um, tonight. And I may do that, you know, without the podcast or I may do it to where the podcast then becomes a place for stories of success to be shared, you know. And so it's just a um, it, it's it's where we are right now. There's so much opportunity, so much potential um, within South Carolina for folks to really grab a hold of, um, you know, the reins, if you will, of this ministry and and allow God to bless their communities uh, through it. So I'm, I'm really excited and looking forward to it, to what comes next. And this is what I love about what you're doing, because see, what you're doing is actually uh, uh, is actually grassroots. 
like you say, you're starting from the ground up, the grassroots. You are using a tool, a modern day tool that people can identify with to begin to share and bring a greater awareness to a needed ministry within our organization and then within the South Carolina district. This is grassroots. What you're doing is a part of the grassroots process and the progressive nature as you are doing this podcast, as people begin to say, hey, Brother Harold, what can we do next? That's when you start another process of grassroots evangelism, when you can begin to start. Now, where do we start now? This is where the strategic uh, evangelism uh, strategy comes in that, you know, when we can begin to use the tools and begin to set up the meetings where we can start helping pastors and churches that do want to reach this community, that's when we can come in and begin to assess the need that that particular pastor, church, or, or, or district need is, and then begin to set things up from there. So everything is designed to be intentional. Everything is designed to be practical, and it brings everybody together to do one thing, and that's to evangelize our states and our cities. And by us doing that on that level of how it's gonna impact that particular state or that particular city, that's what's going to make the grassroots evangelism so effective. This is what I'm seeing across our nation, that what you're doing here as a podcast, another state may be doing at the stage where they're doing a, 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 a conference. Another state is at a place where they're having these outreach events, but everyone is being able to do something. And all of these different things is what make grassroots what it is amen amen well said uh, um so we've got we've got coming up here the building the bridge conference in texas um and this will actually be my first time attending and i to say that i'm excited to be going is an understatement i'm really looking forward to the um the uh many voices that will be preaching um and that and you know the day sessions and things that um that will be occurring there and i plan to come back here um, and in fact, actually, I'll just go ahead and say this now. Um, there's a, a friend of mine in my church, a good friend of mine. Um, actually, you know him, brother, um, brother Foster, brother Brian Foster. He's going to be coming on um, to the podcast and we're going to do like a, a pregame uh, conference um, episode where we talk about, um, you know, the conference historically and because uh, he's been a part and, and active in building the bridge and and attending and supporting building the bridge um, for years now. Um, and then after the conference, we want to come back on and do like a post game, uh, <laughs> post game review and just, you know, kind of talk about the things we learned and those types of things. But from you um, again, this, you know, this conference taking place June 14th through the 16th at uh, Royal Wood church in Houston, Texas. I know I always include additional information in the outro. So, you know, listeners can take a look at that um, on how to register. But from you, Brother Blandon, here as we uh, reach our, our end together, um, what are you looking forward to uh, with regard to the Building the Bridge Conference this year? Um, it's several things for me. Um, number one, I'm excited that we have Building the Bridge district directors 
connected to the build to to the national building the bridge ministry now more than ever so i'm looking forward to people like you brother harold and other building the bridge directors that are now linked in to the national ministry and is bringing their giftedness bringing their diversity bringing their contribution to the conference now because really you know of course the united pentecostal church is made up of districts and now that we have the building the bridge ministry becoming more and more made up of districts which again as a part of the grassroots vision i'm excited about the idea of people like you now coming to the conference for the first time and being able to lend your expertise and to share what God is doing down in in um, South Carolina, and then to get to meet other uh, ministers and pastors that's connected to the Building the Bridge ministry. I'm looking forward to, to that for people like yourself, number one, right? Mm -hmm. The second thing that I'm looking forward to is the uh, impact of the conference in that Houston, Texas area, because the South Texas district that's hosting this um, is doing a lot of things to prepare for our conference this year, uh, which I'm very excited about. And that is one of the advantages of having support to wherever we have the conferences. They have several outreaches set up. They have three outreach events set up before the conference where they're going to be going out and reaching out having special services and and pointing people to the conference and then they have another one scheduled during the conference that the that the ministry is going to be able to reach that community and hopefully get people connected to our churches in that area um, they have also developed excuse me uh, videos already that they're promoting the conference through that area as well and trying to get people aware that we're coming. So I'm excited about what God is doing in that area, what he's going to do in that area. And the third thing I'm excited about, Elder, is us being able to leave that conference with a greater grasp, a greater awareness, and a greater motivation to put the grassroots evangelism strategies and initiatives um, in motion in a more uh, intentional, detailed, and unified way. Amen. Amen. I cannot wait. I'm so looking forward to it. And uh, Brother Blandon, as we, uh, right before we pray here, I just want to ask, you know, given everything we talked about today, are, th are there any, you know, last pieces of advice or, or thoughts for consideration um, that you'd like to share for listeners? Well, first of all, I want to thank you uh, for the opportunity um, to do this podcast with me tonight uh, on behalf of Building the Bridge Ministries. I'm very, very honored to serve in the capacity that I serve and the capacity that you serve because um, this ministry here, uh, as, as becoming the Building the Bridge Director liaison is actually a new ministry for building the bridge and to see the progress that district directors like yourself have made um, has been very very encouraging 
And we just want to say to the listeners here tonight, and particularly those from the South Carolina district, um, I know that y'all have a desire to see a greater revival in the Black African-American community. And I know historically you have also. And I just want to encourage you guys to continue to support Building the Bridge Ministries, continue to get behind the leadership of Brother Hurl. Brother Hurl knows that he has the support of the National Building the Bridge Ministry team. And we just want to see South Carolina continue to grow in this area, have revival in this area. And we're here to make ourselves available in any way we can to see that the South Carolina district uh, is having success and reaching the black and African-American community. Amen. And just before we pray, I want to say to everybody, thank you again for tuning in and thank you, brother Blandon, for again, uh, willing to sit down with me here for just this, uh, this hour and talk about these things. There's so much more happening with building the bridge um, and uh, nationally. And I hope to uh, have some of my uh, cohorts and counterparts on here as well to talk about what's going on in their state. Uh, but if you'd like to connect with me, um, your host, you can email me at scbtbministries at gmail.com. Remember to share this podcast with folks in the state of South Carolina, people outside of the state of South Carolina. Um, I've been in contact with some friends and and just drumming up support of the ministry. And, and it's a, it's it's amazing to see and to hear um, the response that people are having um, to this ministry. And so uh, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Blandon. And thank you all for tuning in at this time, Brother Blandon, Would you mind closing us out in prayer? Be my honor. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight for this podcast. We pray that it would reach every heart and mind that have a desire for the cause of Christ to progress and to grow in this last hour. Thank you for Brother Hurl for the vision that he has for the South Carolina district. We pray, Lord, your blessing and favor upon them in an even greater way. Thank you for the leadership in Bishop Gann, their district board. We pray, Lord, as we leave this podcast, that we will all continue to keep our eyes on the harvest field, for the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. God, we ask your anointing and favor in all things as we give you the glory all over again tonight. In Jesus' name. Registration is now open for the 2023 Building the Bridge Conference in Houston, Texas. The conference will be hosted at Royal Wood Church from June 14th to the 16th, 2023. At Building the Bridge Conference, we will, with love, wisdom, and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, answer tough questions, address the elephants in the room, and lead the discussions we must have. Let's lock arms and enter the fields. The harvest is ready. For registration information, please visit buildingthebridgeministries.com.